0: The San Francisco Experience Podcast, brought to you by Jim Herlihy, independent commentary from a Silicon Valley, California perspective for a global audience, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 21, Episode 11, The World is Better Off and More Equal, talking with Chelsea Follett of the Cato Institute. Global human progress across a broad range of indicators, mortality, income, education, and political liberties since the 1990s is well documented. And these gains have been widely shared rather than enjoyed by a small global elite. However, concerns about inequality among opinion makers, and the New York Times comes to mind, for instance, has increased tenfold. So where does the truth lie? With us today is Chelsea Follett, Managing Editor of HumanProgress.org and a Policy Analyst at the Cato Institute's Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity. She joins us from her office in Washington, D.C. Hi, Chelsea, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: My pleasure. Chelsea, please take a moment to tell us about your work at the Cato Institute and also humanprogress.org.
1: Absolutely. So humanprogress.org is a project of the Cato Institute. It's Cato's International Development Bank website that tracks how progress has changed over time. So what is progress, first of all? We subscribe to as non-controversial a definition of progress as possible. Things that almost everyone would agree are good, such as the world becoming wealthier, healthier, and more literate. On the website, you can find over a thousand different data sets, all from reliable third-party sources, tracking different indicators of human well-being over time. And what we find is that when it comes to the standard of living, human history resembles a hockey stick. With a long straight shaft when for hundreds of years very little changed and most people were extremely poor and didn't live very long. So then having an upward facing blade when suddenly world GDP per capita skyrocketed and shortly thereafter life expectancy also rose dramatically. First in Great Britain and Western Europe and then in the rest of the world. Many people don't realize that extreme poverty has halved in the last 20 years alone. There is a large disconnect between public perceptions and an accurate, evidence-based view of the world. And that's the gap that humanprogress.org tries to help transcend and so the website updates daily with not only the latest data but also news articles commentary that put the data into perspective videos we put out podcasts monthly as well many of which i host some of them are hosted by uh, my colleague marion l tupi he's the editor of humanprogress.org And we also put out educational materials for classrooms and teachers and are involved in a bunch of other projects. Um, And as for my broader work at Cato, it mostly relates to humanprogress.org. But I also recently through Cato came out, with a policy analysis paper, which was the basis of that article that I believe you saw on inequality, and that's what we'll be discussing today and we'll get into shortly.
0: Excellent. Very impressive. And once again, the website for Human Progress, could you give that to our listeners again, please?
1: Absolutely. It's humanprogress.org, and you can also follow us on Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. And for all of those, just look up human progress and you should be able to find us.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's come back to the subject at hand. Globalization and market liberalization over the past few decades have raised living standards and reduced inequality by many measures. Just look at the progress in India, China, Vietnam, Brazil, to mention a few and their ability to close the gap between the rich world and the poor world. Yet we seem to hear more about inequality. Why is that, Chelsea?
1: That's a great question. So many people obviously aren't aware of the incredible decline that we've seen recently in poverty. Polling consistently showed that people underestimate that decline or even think that poverty is increasing there was a slight uptick related to pandemic many people are confused about whether or not we are making progress as a whole and another widely held misconception is that if progress is being made maybe it's only being enjoyed by a very small segment of society while the vast majority of people are being left behind and that's where you get concerns about inequality Related to living standards, as you mentioned, we know that New York Times articles mentioning inequality have increased tenfold in recent years. And if you look at Google's Ngram, Google Books Ngram viewer tool, which looks at the incidence of different words in a vast array of books and newspapers, they have data showing that if you look all the way back to 1800, the use of the word inequality over time was more or less lat- sort of declining until sometime in the 1960s and 70s when it really started to go up. And today, use of the word inequality in print sources is at what seems to be a record high. So people are extremely concerned about inequality. They're talking a lot about inequality, and many people are confused about the direction in which inequality is trending. There is a very widely held belief uh, that's really bipartisan that inequality is on the upswing, Vice President Kamala Harris... I uh, said that she believed global inequality was increasing not long ago, a few years ago. And of course, we also know that people on more of the anti-globalization populist right often believe that inequality and poverty are becoming worse due to market liberalization and trade.
0: Now, why is there such a disconnect, Chelsea, between the data, and we're going to come on to that in a minute, between the actual data and this perception that equality is only growing. I, for one, for instance, I'm reasonably familiar with uh, India. San Francisco and Bangalore, India are sister cities. I've had the opportunity to travel. India has declined rapidly. It's not to say that India has suddenly rocketed into uh, super wealth. But there has been steady progress in a limiting the most extreme forms of poverty in India, and you see that. So how come there's this disconnect between what the data is showing us in the decline of poverty and the improvement in everyone's lives and lot throughout the world, and what the media seems to be telling us? Why is there a disconnect?
1: There are a number of reasons for it. Some psychological biases predispose everyone toward pessimism for the simple, you know, natural selection related reason that in our ancestral environments, underreacting to a threat could often cost you your life. Mm. And so we have become hyper-vigilant toward the negative. But of course, we also know that having a skewed view of the world can lead to very bad outcomes. You know, that's not to say the picture is entirely rosy. At humanprogress.org, we try to present a realistic view of the world rather than an optimistic one. There Uh are certainly some cases you can find of things getting worse, and we saw many positive trends experience a slight downturn recently, of course, as a result of pandemic-related disruptions. But the long-term trends across So many indicators are extremely positive. And it is unfortunate that more people don't recognize it because of those psychological biases. Because, uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Mm The media have an incentive to create, you know, more dramatic and negative headlines. And of course, journalists are themselves human beings with the same psychological biases as everyone else. And Mm -hmm. so they often do believe that things are getting worse and share that belief. Um, and then, of course, there's also just the fact that the way that we measure progress mm-hmm. is sometimes not up to par. So when it comes to inequality, the type of inequality people tend to look at is income inequality. Now, that's a very uh, limited view, obviously. And even if you look at income Inequality, global income inequality is declining, but what my co-author, Vincent Angeloso uh, of George Mason University and I tried to do with this paper and that op-ed based on it was look at inequality in a much fuller way to try to get the most accurate view of Whether gains globally have been widely shared or whether they have been, as many people think, just accruing to a small elite. And what we found was that out of the eight indicators that we looked at, in six of them, the world was becoming more equal.
0: Mm -hmm. Chelsea, what are the eight indicators that you looked at and tell us the six where the world is becoming more equal? Give us the eight and the six, please.
1: Absolutely. So to measure inequality and well-being, we first had to construct some kind of measure of overall well-being, and that's why we created the Human Progress Index, and its eight components are as follows. Lifespan, that's life expectancy at birth, measured in years childhood survival. so we looked at the infant mortality rate per a thousand live births, adequate nutrition that would be the food supply measured in calories available per person per day. No that's not the amount consumed that's the supply available mm-hmm. then safe environment for that we looked at the mortality rate for outdoor air pollution, deaths Mm -hmm. so that's mortality from not having access to clean air to breathe access to opportunity approximated by mean years of schooling access to information approximated by the number of internet users per 100 people material well-being and that's income average income GDP per person Mm -hmm. so that's the kind of inequality people are used to looking at and political freedom so we looked at a score uh, that is between democracy versus autocracy Mm -hmm. over time to get that measure And so we took these eight different components, lifespan, childhood survival, adequate nutrition, safe environment, access to opportunity, access to information, material well-being, and political freedom, Mm -hmm. and we weighed them all equally to create an index of overall well-being. And this is obviously uh, much more comprehensive than the UN's Human Development Index, which people might be more familiar with because that only has Three components, life expectancy at birth, mean years of schooling, and income. Mm -hmm. And actually, Vincent and I believe that what we've created here is the most comprehensive measure of international inequality uh, with the broadest possible scope of all of the existing indices available.
0: Were there some surprises when you put this index together?
1: Absolutely. So, there were two main surprises to us. As managing editor of humanprogress.org, I was well aware that humanity has been making a lot of progress, and so I did actually expect that inequality would be decreasing, but even I was surprised at the extent of what we found. If you go to the policy analysis paper, which I'm sure you can link your listeners to, uh, you can find that we have a table comparing our results in the overall improvement in inequality. So the move toward the world becoming more equal. And what we found is that actually since 1990, the improvement toward global equality has been greater than the improvement estimated by looking at the United Nations Mm. HDI and has been greater than the improvement measured by probably the other most comprehensive index of inequality to date created by uh, the economist Leandro Mm Prado-Stuller-Escosura. And in both cases, there, there has been progress in every measure we could find of global inequality There has been progress. The data is very clear about that. But when you take into account even more metrics as we did, and you have a more comprehensive measure Mm -hmm. of well-being, it seems that the progress toward greater equality is actually even more extensive than other scholars have estimated. So that was a surprise to me was the sheer extent of progress. Mm -hmm. The other surprise to me was that there were two indicators for which things have been trending toward more inequality and i'm sure we can talk about that in a moment but mm-hmm. the overall trend again for the six out of the eight indicators was toward greater equality and for the overall index the world is becoming more equal
0: is this index going to be prepared on an annual basis
1: uh, we did discuss that when we were putting it together, and if it gets enough attention, then yes, we hope to do
0: that. And right now, it's, uh, it's being published by the Cato Institute, and so our listeners would be able to, uh, why, don't, why don't you give the, the listeners a reference uh, where they could go and look on the Cato website at this, uh, the results of what you've talked about?
1: Absolutely. So uh, if you go to Cato.org slash policy dash analysis slash global dash inequality dash well dash being dash has dash <laughs> decreased dash across dash many dash dimensions, you will get to the policy analysis paper. But an easier way to do this is probably just to Google cato and my name Chelsea Follett. And if you click on my profile on Keto, it's at the very top as the most recent work that I've done that I've published. And it's called the it's called Global Inequality and in Wellbeing has decreased across many dimensions, introducing the inequality of human progress index. It's uh-huh. Cato's policy analysis number 949.
0: So that's where our listeners can actually view this index. Now at what point ha- has this gotten any traction in washington is this an index that uh, say for instance the us government commerce department or the hill have they shown interest in in looking at the uh, the results of your research
1: well it's brand new but that would certainly be the goal we would hope that many policymakers would take a look at this and gain a better appreciation for the actual direction in which things are trending. The global inequality gap certainly still exists. We are definitely not saying that there is no inequality. That would be false. But knowing whether or not inequality is increasing or decreasing is crucial when creating policies around it, Mm -hmm. right? If you don't know whether things are getting better or worse, then you don't know whether or not the track that you're currently on is appropriate. And related to this belief that global inequality is rising, we've seen various policy proposals put forward, some of them quite extreme, calling for various kinds of uh, global wealth redistribution, Mm -hmm. very extreme taxation, uh, public financial registry globally that would eliminate financial privacy, and all sorts of other very dramatic extreme proposals put forward all to fight an alleged rise in global inequality so we are trying to get this out there hopefully some people among your listeners include those policymakers who are hoping to reach this index
0: absolutely now tell me of the eight categories you mentioned that six show very clearly that we're on the track for increased equality and decreasing inequality. But you mentioned that there are two where inequality remains. Tell us what those, uh, those, two, those two indicators were.
1: The two indicators where global inequality is actually rising, that's actually true, were childhood survival and environmental safety. So let's talk about those one at a time. So when it comes to the infant mortality rate, I do want to emphasize that that is falling
0: Everywhere. Mm -hmm.
1: And I do think that absolute standards of well-being are the most important when we are judging these things. However, uh, when it comes to the inequality, that has been increasing because even though... Children are more likely to survive everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Those gains have been happening proportionally faster in wealthier countries with access to the most advanced technology, the most sophisticated neonatal intensive care mm-hmm. units that allow them to save the lives of infants that really would not have a chance anywhere else. Mm-hmm to be why we actually are seeing a greater gap there which was surprising to me because again the data is very clear that even in the poorest areas of the world infant mortality is in sharp decline just about everywhere including sub-saharan africa india and china as you mentioned uh, all of the poorest areas of the world pretty much the only places where you see disruption toward that would be in areas affected by war or similar disruptions that don't allow them to develop economically and get the food that they need. But even in very poor areas of the world, if they're unaffected by conflict, infant mortality is declining pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. The other area would be environmental safety. So that's the likelihood of Uh, dying due to not having clean air to breathe Mm -hmm. Um, and you know where i am in dc this was made (laughs) more vivid recently when we had smoke everywhere coming down from from canada clean air is something that we often take for granted but in many parts of the world that is not the case that they enjoy clean air and uh, what seems to be going on when it comes to the growing inequality with that indicator is that uh, there's something called the, the economists call the environmental Kuznets curve. And it's this idea that as a country develops economically, initially, as it industrializes, environmental quality tends to deteriorate and Mm -hmm. the air quality becomes a lot worse. But then after a country reaches a certain level of economic development and prosperity, that... Changes and suddenly things start trending in a more positive direction. And thus, in all of the rich countries today, you actually see environmental quality improving. Forest Mm -hmm. area is being gained in uh, Europe, in North America, in East Asia as well, actually. Mm -hmm. But we're losing forest area still in South America and in. Sub Saharan Africa. So that's just one example of the environmental Kuznets curve at work. Mm-hmm. And so what we think is happening with this indicator is that it's showing that as many countries grow their economies, they're still in the midst of that transition. Right. They're at the points along the environmental Kuznets curve where their environmental quality has not yet started to improve as people become more prosperous and they're able to devote more uh, resources and time and energy toward conserving their environment and improving their air quality. So that seems to be what's being reflected by that indicator.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this is great news uh, that, that this your new index, out of the eight categories in that index, six show, uh, on a global basis, six show great improvement in the march towards equality. And two, where we, we need to do a little bit more work. So, once again, kudos to you and uh, the work that you and your colleague have done there at uh, at Cato. And now it's up to to the rest of us to get the uh, the word out there. But you are sitting in Washington D.C., and I would think that data like this is so compelling, particularly to policymakers, the State Department in particular, to get this word out so that as the U.S. formulates its foreign policy, and not only the U.S., but I mean every other country in the world, is their formulating their foreign policies, that they're aware of this data, that we're not going into other countries with the assumption of, woe is me, everything is awful, life is going to hell in a handbasket. Your data is showing the opposite. So we need to get this out. And I think by getting this data out, it could inform better better informed foreign policy, whether by the United States or any other country, which is going to begin to look at data like this to formulate their foreign policy, as opposed to looking at media, which seems to be on the downbeat.
1: Absolutely. And I hope that uh, this information gets out there, not even just to policymakers, but to the wider public and that we can slowly shift public perceptions away from an unrealistically negative view of the world and an inaccurate view of the world and toward a more evidence-based and rationally optimistic view
0: Mm -hmm. well chelsea in the remaining few minutes of the podcast any closing thoughts for our listeners and obviously we're ending on a on a higher note a, a more optimistic note here but any closing thoughts for our listeners today
1: the number one takeaway from this research is that not only is the world becoming better off, but also more equal. The gains that we have seen in recent decades do seem to have been widely shared. They're not accumulating only to people in some countries. They're not accumulating only to a very small elite of rich people. But we're actually seeing gaps in global developments closing.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for ending on an upbeat note like that. And tell me, how can our listeners follow you and the work that you do?
1: They can keep up with humanprogress.org by visiting the website, or they can sign up for our newsletter. You can do that by either Reaching out to contact at humanprogress.org. Or if you go to the humanprogress.org website and you scroll down slightly, there is a large sign-up button that you can press to sign up for our newsletter right there on the website so that you can get the latest updates or you can also follow us on twitter at human progress you can follow us on facebook tiktok instagram and you can keep up with our podcast episodes on our youtube channel
0: well once again i want to thank you chelsea for joining us today very informative data and really informative message that you human progress and cato are getting out there Good luck in uh, in making sure that uh, that that message gets out there. And let's just take a moment. Why don't you tell our listeners that uh, about your new book that's coming out in September that we'll be reviewing here at the San Francisco Experience Podcast?
1: Well, thank you so much, Jim, for the opportunity to do so. The book is called Centers of Progress: Forty Cities That Changed the World. Coming to bookstore shelves near you on September nineteenth and it tells the story of civilization through the story of 40 of the cities that acted as the pivotal sites of important innovations throughout history that helped to move humanity forward. And the last city profiled in the book is San Francisco, where I'm sure some of your (laughs) listeners are based, although I know you have a global audience. And so I think it will be of interest to them.
0: Absolutely. Well, Chelsea, we'll look forward to having you back in September to review the book, and good luck with that. And once again, thank you so much for joining us. And give us the the title again of this new index.
1: The Inequality of Human Progress Index.
0: Perfect. You heard that from, uh, from Chelsea listeners. Stay tuned and make sure that you look out for that index. There's a great deal of research that's gone into it, and it's telling a story that we all need to follow. Again, Chelsea, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much,
0: Jim. And for our listeners, today's episode is number 416. The San Francisco Experience Podcast comes to you on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, 19 platforms in total, with a listener audience in 65 countries. This has been the San Francisco Experience Podcast with Jim Herlihy, coming to you from San Francisco.